0: If these three things happen, we need to lift our head up and say, is the strategy still where we need to go and how we're going to get there? Are you in a leadership role trying to figure out how to convince others to change their mind? Have you ever wondered why is leading and influencing others so darn hard? Are you looking for practical answers to these two vital questions? If so, welcome to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. I'm your host, Denise Cooper, and I am a storyteller. I interview thought leaders and people just like you who are learning and practicing the art and expanding on the science of leadership. Listen as my guests and I talk about what it takes to be a remarkable leader in the 21st century. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Hey everybody, it's Denise Cooper and thank you so much for tuning in to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. Today, Is something interesting. We, in the paper, there's been so much in the news, in the paper, I still read papers, sorry. There's been so much news about the great resignation and people leaving, yet there's this imbalance in terms of hiring. Some companies are having no trouble. They get lots of applicants in other industries, other companies, they can't find enough people. So one of the things we're going to do today, because today I've got my co-host, Debbie Snow who I am happy to say is now she's decided to go from the outside being her own talent strategist to now she's now with Brown and Brown Insurance Company, which where she is the head of talent for them. Congratulations,
1: Debbie. Thank you. Thank you. It's great from the inside looking out, having had all that time on the outside looking in. So it's a great (laughs) opportunity to make impact for a large organization that's growing rapidly.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, and I know we're going to talk about today, is your talent strategy working for you from a company? But one of the things that always gets me is, is in this idea of finding the right person for your company I often think that people who have their own company, people who you know have their own consulting business get overlooked. And so you and I both have been in, we've been out. We've been in, we've been out. When you're looking for the right people for your organization, how do you look at the full breadth of talent versus just looking at whoever's on Indeed or LinkedIn or the applicant tracking? What's the mindset that stops people from thinking that, hey, you know what? This consultant is really good or this person who owns their business is really good. I wonder if they would be interested. Well, I think first is
1: to eliminate the biases that people have about boys who are in and out. And I think to recognize that you have them and that you don't want to have them, you want to eliminate that, I think is one thing. To look at what different experiences teach you and the strengths they help you bring to an organization by seeing things from the outside is an important acquisition for you. It's an acquisition of intellectual talent, intellectual capital. And so I think that's the first thing, is to be conscious that you might have a bias for people that have been consultants or have been outside. I think the other thing is that you recognize it's easy to check the skills boxes. It's easy to check, you know, you either have this or you don't, either have this or you don't. But when it comes to fit for the organization, it's how well will they adapt and work and play well in the sandbox to make impact, to use their knowledge, to make impact for the organization as they grow. Some people can't make those transitions in and out. Just like, you know, you and I have talked about before, some people are great with complex matrix managed organizations, but that's a talent. Some people cannot do that. They can only work smaller organizations because the complexity overwhelms them.
0: Mm -hmm. So there's that to look at too. So we toss talent strategy around quite a bit, right? And there are some people who don't understand what a talent strategy is. Can you break it down? I mean, if you're in a medium or a small or a startup, or I don't know, there's probably even some big companies that the same thing happens. We just don't know. What is a talent strategy?
1: Well, I think it's a probably one to five year plan that aligns with where the organization wants to be in five years and where the expected growth is going to be in the industry in five years, and then rolling it back into the ways in which you can make impact in the one, two, three, four, five years in between year one and five, and to have it be adaptable. So it's looking at how do we want to hire, who do we want to hire, who will work successfully, and what areas of the organization need the biggest impact to help us grow toward the certainly the financial goal we have, but also the goal in the industry and the brand of the business in the industry. That's what I look at as talent strategy. It's detailed in that it has to target the places where we need to change to do better And it's broad in that it has to look at the overall 50,000 foot view of how those smaller components bring success to the total organization. And because you're doing it one to five years out, there's a lot of things we don't know. You know, we talk about change agents, being a change agent and looking at the changing economy. You know, we've got that going on right now. We thought we were going to doesn't look like we are. We might still, but we don't know. So there's the economy that's changing. It's kind of the world order that's changing. There's you know the U.S. being strong, always dependable. And now, are there things that we we want to change about that? Mm-hmm. I heard today that. The Pope in looking for a successor doesn't want it to come from the U.S. because it would be one more thing that makes the U.S. be bigger, better than everybody else. And he doesn't mm-hmm. think that's such a great idea. Mm-hmm. Do I understand it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of political issues in there too. So there's the changing politics, the changing world order, the changing economy, the changing industries. Different industries are changing with different, not only regulations, but different populations. The way we travel the airline industry is classic. How has that changed with COVID? Yeah. Now you've got the pilots organization. I, I think it started with the United Pilots, but they're looking to move their mandatory retirement age from 65 to 67. And my guess is they're going to try and move it to 70, yeah. which is fine because they're already giving people, you want us to keep flying? We're going to get, let you You know, give us a complete medical and psychological exam every six months. So they took that argument away right away. So there's just a lot of change going on. And I think the strategy has to be able to change with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting that you talk about from one to five, when a lot of companies, a lot of industries can barely predict what's going to happen in one. How do you break down from the business strategy that maybe I can only see one year out? but I know I need to be hiring talent that I'd like for them to stay two to three years. And as part of this question of the great resignation, I think the mindset of employees have changed to, I don't know that I'm going to get that gold watch. I mean, this whole mental or philosophical started years and years ago when we started seeing companies use people as, you know, to clean up their balance sheet, right? And they'd lay people off and then they'd hire and they'd lay them off and they'd hire. So once we started seeing them as human capital to be used or not used, we began to see where people started thinking, wait a minute, there's no guarantee that I'm going to be able to have a 25-year career with any kind of company. And So you've got this new imbalance. You can't decide, you can't see into the future But now you've got a workforce that's probably only looking at, you know, two, maybe three years down here. How do you take that business strategy and combine it with this idea of we're going to need this kind of capability two years from now, one year from now, three years from now, and match that to the kinds of people that you have in the organization or people that you might be looking to hire?
1: I think what you do is look at, you know, you look at each individual group within your organization and those group leaders, you know, they may be senior executives, they may be regional presidents, whatever they are. You look Mm -hmm. at that. They look at what they've got, what they anticipate in terms of people leaving the organization at the impactful level, at the senior level who drive business in, people that they need to bring in. There's always core people who do produce the business. Mm -hmm. whatever you're in, you look at those core people, you look at the people that are aging out of the system, you look at the people that want to continue in the system, you look at where you always want talent. Some companies call it evergreen talent, some companies call it transactional talent, but you've got core talent that you're always going to need. So you're always hiring for those, no matter what the business is, no matter what the industry is. Mm -hmm. You hope that you're growing and you're always hiring that talent, but then you're always hiring for the next impact player, someone who can change the business, dramatically increase the business, dramatically grow the business, which Mm -hmm. are sales, heads of sales, production people, people that have, you know, that can lead the organization. You're always looking to hire those people. And you know, by your business, what kind of impact player will work well in your organization. Mm -hmm. Are you really collaborative? I mean, really collaborative, not just Collaborative, are you really collaborative, or do you work by individual performers? Or do individual performers play better in your organization and they have a very loose collaboration? So that's mm-hmm. the first thing to look at is you know, is it really teamwork? Is it individual performance? Mm-hmm then where the combination is of that and where those people are. And you look for those people who have strengths in that. Mm-hmm. So you look for people who come out of consulting. You look for people who have worked for major players in your industry. You look for people who have the ability to change and to grow. And those are always people I look for. You know, mm-hmm. I got my big five. I still have them: ability to articulate a vision and get people to march into how to follow it. The ability to drive financial results through teams of people. I don't make you money. Teams of people make you money. Right. The ability to change with the economy, with the industry, with the changing growth. Mm-hmm. The ability to develop people above, next to you, and below. And the ability to do with ethics and integrity, because who wants those problems?
0: Yeah, well, I'm not sure that we hire or think about that because of the bias that we bring to the table of you're like me therefore you wouldn't do what i would do but issues of integrity are issues of how a person makes judgment decisions in the moment and it's one of the things that it's really hard to figure out how do you interview for people who have the same or similar level of of bias or thinking judgment about you because i mean i've worked for people who have said hey i haven't been caught by the government now why would i even worry about it you know and so you 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 have to ask some really, I know, what you can't see is her face cringing. Cringing. (laughs) Cringing. (laughs) And the questions you have to ask to get to that information. Yes, to get to that information out of it. So the other thing, and the thing that you didn't talk much about was culture fit or this idea of culture match, that kind of thing. Once you've, are you back? Am I back? There we go. We have to start again. So I'm gonna pause. What is this this thing of culture fit, culture match? And how I think the most
1: important thing there for culture fit and culture match is the ability to understand what your culture is, really understand it, and who's gonna be able to play inside of it to make impact. And so some of the questions that I always ask in an interview are, tell me about a time when you felt you were at the top of your game and the company that you worked for supported you in those endeavors where you felt comfortable, where you felt like everyone was pulling for you, where you felt like you had the support behind you, where you were able to execute the things that you needed to execute with complete support. And they will give you the answer as to what's important to them for working for an organization when they're telling you how they felt about that time. That's what you want to get. Okay.
0: So in thinking about this, because we're coming up on a time frame now where companies and senior leadership is really looking at what the business strategy is going to be for the next year or so, two years or not. And they're also assessing their talent because it's, we're coming up on performance reviews and what does that mean and how do people, you know, get in and get out in terms of who's who's a good performer, who's a marginal performer, who's in the middle of the road kind of performer. It's interesting, you know, as we've been talking about this whole thing, Debbie, today, that, you know, let's end up with some things about what can be different and why is why do we need to change? Because I think executives do need to change from this thinking of, you know, if I can't see you, I can't manage you, I can't trust you, I can't promote you. And I'm not sure it's only managers, but Primarily, they're the ones who have the keys to the castle, right? They determine salary and compensation and promotions and all those things like that. What are your thoughts on this idea of there's some managers who are just resistant? And when I say managers, I'm talking from CEO all the way down. So it's not the role, it's the, the fact that they manage people who basically say, if I can't see you until we're, you know, then how am I going to trust you, promote you, that kind of thing?
1: Well, it's kind of an age old question. I mean, who's seeing that leader? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I look at that and and take the side when I'm talking to a leader that says, you know, they have to be in the office because if I'm in the office and they're not there, I don't know the kind of work where they're doing. Well, my, my argument is always, how many days a month do you travel? How often are you in the office? Who's seeing you? Are they seeing you? You're on the road, you know, maybe three days a week, maybe six days a month, let's say. Mm -hmm. And of those days that you're in the office, are you with that employee? Are they seeing you? Are you seeing their work? Because notoriously leaders, so people who have managed people from Mm The first level to the CEO have traveled for work. They Mm -hmm. must travel. They Mm -hmm. must see clients. They must see people that are delivering the work to us. They must see partners. And so they're not in the office either. So the people that they're leading don't see them. I can remember early in my career, I reported to a guy that was the head of sales. I was a newly minted sales professional. He was on the road probably 15 days a month. Well, there's Mm -hmm. only 20 working days in a month. So Mm -hmm. 15 days he was on the road because he was going from, you know, across the board on the top of the country, across the board on the bottom of the country, north and south, east and west. So he wasn't in there when I needed help. I needed to talk to him by phone then because we didn't have email. And, you know, how does how do how could he possibly know what I was doing? Mm -hmm. He couldn't, but I couldn't know what he was doing because he was on the road. So I think it's, it's, it's not a new problem, but I think we make an adjustment for what people are doing. Communication has to be stronger. Yeah. Look at the ways in which we communicate, which are infinite now. You know, Certainly there's email. Certainly there's texting. Certainly there's phone calls. We set meetings. People rarely just pick up the phone and call. It's refreshing when they do. And it's frustrating when they call and you can't take the call because you're in some other kind of a Zoom meeting. Mm -hmm. But to be able to have a conversation, I know it's not popular, especially with the younger population, probably into the early to mid 30s. But that's where you get the real intonation of how things are working. You get the information in the way that people deliver, the way in which they communicate, the way in which they talk about their frustrations,
0: their issues,
1: even what they bring up and what they don't bring up.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because you're seeing it from more of an executive sales perspective, but, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 years now what's one of the number one productivity blockers for managers in the first place and it's the fact that they're in a meeting right right so even if you didn't do the traveling look at your calendar how often are you in a meeting where somebody is actually you're actually able to see what your employees are actually doing right. so if you're not in a manufacturing frontline <laughs> kind right. of situation walking the floor you don't even know what's kind of going on so this idea that something's changed. No, nothing's changed. Maybe the way it's showing up is changing, but yeah. nothing has really changed in it. Right. Last thing I wanted to just ask you in general about, you know, this idea of talent strategy and thinking about talent strategy. You know, we started with it's probably good to think one year to 18 months to two years, even though a strategy sometimes takes a long time. I remember when I was at the gas company, you know, we were trying to think about, I know it's been a long time, but, and we were trying to figure out how, you know, we had a big population that was about to retire or eligible to retire. We were concerned that they were going to. And we started having conversations about how long does a person have to be in a role to learn the role well enough that they're fully capable and competent of being able to do that. And what we came up with is it literally took eight years for us to have a fully competent person. And as I moved from the gas company on to other jobs, I started noticing that it really takes at least three business cycles. So however fast your cycle was, when I was at the Gap, A business cycle is like seven and a half weeks. Gas company, it was, it literally was about eight years to get through a full business cycle. So, however fast you can get through three of them, really is the time that people get to do to understand and you can start gauging what that looks like. As we're thinking about talent strategy, and of course, we've got to go faster and quicker and do much, much more. Do you have any other tips on how you start measuring? Whether people are kind of moving up the proficiency ladder to and how fast and what does it take?
1: I, I do have some things to talk about there, and I also think onboarding is a part of this. okay. We, we onboard people believing that pick a number. three weeks, six weeks, a hundred days. Isn't that what we give the president of the United States, a hundred days. What did he do in the first hundred days? Yeah. Yeah. Mainly he, we still haven't gotten to she, but you know, what does he do in the first hundred days? So we give people a time limit. It's usually short. You're talking about eight years is the cycle. I'm saying 18 months to two years, which is why you want to believe that a person isn't going to leave their job. You know, we used to call them job hoppers. If they left every two years, well, you don't really get peppered into the organization until two years. And I always say, you know, somewhat caustically, but you know, who has the power and who has the title, which are usually two different people, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't really understand that for two years, but it also is how we onboard them. And, you know, we kind of leave them alone after the first three weeks. Okay. They're good now. Right. Yeah, they're good. We're moving them on. You showed them where the bathroom is. Yeah. Cafeteria. Yeah. OK, and they're coming in if they're coming in to a completely new industry, even if they're not, even mm-hmm. if they're, you know, been in the industry for five years. They mm-hmm. haven't been in the company for five years. Right. And every company culture comes back always to company culture is different. The nuances are different. The politics is different. The way in which things get accomplished is different. Mm -hmm. The way in which your teammates, colleagues, other employees, whatever you call them, is different. Right. So I think that when we look at strategy, you're exactly right. We need to look at going through a business cycle. Mm -hmm. One, maybe two. Sometimes that's your calendar year. Sometimes it's your financial year. Sometimes it's the way the regulations come out of the feds. Yeah. And that has impact on how your business runs. But I still believe that there has to be a one, two, five year plan for strategy and for talent to take your best guess at where the industry is headed and be able to know where the levers are that you can move east or west, north or south when something changes in the economy, in the industry, in, in your company that Technology. allows you. Yeah. That allows you to move. There will be some things that are going to be constant. You know, Mm -hmm. whatever you sell, whatever you you manufacture, whatever Mm -hmm. you produce, whatever you consult on. But even that will change as the economy changes, the world order changes. You know, look at us, you know, the U.S. and some of the stuff, you know, something I talked about earlier about the Pope just came out saying he does not want a new Pope to come from the U.S. because mm-hmm. he doesn't want that to be one more thing that the U.S. has. Mm-hmm. He thinks it needs to be spread around. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what I think we have to look at. We have to have that strategy. We have to have our best guess. We have to have some things in order. But we have to know what those levers are that we can pull and move. North, south, east, east, west, sometimes southwest, southeast, you know, but we have to know where the, the places are that we can move a little bit when things
0: change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think one of the things when I'm talking to executives is put the strategy in knowing that it is it is more of a guideline or roadmap. But if you don't have key points that say, if this happens, then we do this, if then thought, then what happens is, is you continue to barrel lot down the same road because you're trying to go directionally where you, you, you set it out, because that's how we are. We set a target, we aim for that target, and we don't really look to see has the terrain changed. So it's important to not only have the strategy, but also have the process in place where you're constantly or regularly, you know, whether that's quarterly, whether that's biannually, whether it's annually, looking to say, if these three things happen, we need to lift our head up and say, is the strategy still where we need to go and how we're going to get there, how we're going to spend our money to continue to see the successes that we desire.
1: Right, so I would add one more thing to it. I learned it at Lee Haackt. That's how people get fired. That's how senior executives get terminated because they go hellbent for election on what the strategy is. And I'm not yes. saying every time, everyone, but the way in which it happens sometimes more frequently than not is you get the top of the house, wherever it is. When I was the whole Kleenex box, bringing somebody out who just gotten terminated, it was putting their head down, giving everything they could to the strategy as it was never lifting their head to realize that the strategy had to change because other things from the outside were causing that strategy to need to be adjusted. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to one young woman who was relatively early in her career, but in a very senior role in marketing for her age and her education, not for her Mm -hmm. ability. Mm -hmm. She got terminated and she had no idea why. And The signs were there because she put her head down and never looked up. Yeah. And the strategy changed. The business needs changed. Mm -hmm. And she
0: was still going this way and the business went that way. Yeah. Straight ahead and then off to the left. Yeah. Or to the right. Right. Or a boulder came in and you're expending too much effort and resources to get over it. When if you'd have lifted your head, you could have seen, oh, wait a minute. There's I got to go way this guy. way, around it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many times have all of us done that? Right. Headlong <laughs> into, you know, we're going to get through it no matter what. Right, you know, right, kind of right. Thing. And it changes. Well, you know what? It's, it's the end of our time together. I thank you so much for being my partner in crime on this idea of managing talent in the organization at all levels and how we move it out. You guys know what I'm going to say. If you like it, share it. If you don't like it, share it. Because I guarantee it will be a conversation that will help you open your eyes so that you'll be able to close the gap. And until next week, see ya. Bye-bye. That's a wrap. And I'm Denise Cooper. And you've been listening to Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. Let me thank my good friend, Ivan G. Hall, for the background music. I'd like to ask you to do three things. One. One. If you liked it, share it with your friends. Let's build up our community to subscribe so that you don't miss when a new episode drops. And lastly, if you've got a question or comment, leave it below. I'd love to hear what you thought was good, what I could do better, and what topics you'd like to hear about. Let me thank my guests one more last time. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.